0: Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Jewel, and this call is Independent Living Skills. Today, we will be talking about the kitchen, part two, which will be cooking. I'm going to turn it over first to Kayla,
2: who's going to talk about uh, commands. All right, welcome everybody. Um, If you have not yet, you will have to navigate to the um, Got It button to accept that we are recording this for um, to ensure safety of the room. Um, If you are on a Windows computer, to raise your hand, it is going to be Alt-Y. And to mute and unmute, it is going to be Alt-A. Again, these are all going to be toggles. Um, If you are on a Mac, to raise your hand, it is Option-Y. To unmute and mute, it is Command-Shift-A. If you are on a landline phone or a touch-tone phone, It is gonna be star six to mute and unmute and star nine to raise your hand. Back to you, Jewel.
1: All right, thank you so much, Kayla. So our first topic for cooking in the kitchen is gonna be low and high tech to assist you in your cooking process. Um, So low tech would be a lot of, you know, little things like um, a push-pull stick for pulling out and pushing in the um, oven rack. Uh, these are very simple to get. Um, I believe ls has them. MaxiAids definitely has them. Um, they're very easy to find. And all it is is a stick with a um, groove on the very end for pushing um, so that you don't slip pushing the rack in. And then it has a, slight, a hook on the bottom for pulling out. You hook the rack with the stick and then you just pull out the rack with that. Um, can be very useful, especially if you have a large item that's going in the oven. Um, another item that will be very helpful is what kind of um, hand protection are you going to use? So, uh, you know, a lot of people use oven mitts. Oven mitts can be good, but they can also make it harder to feel what you're doing because your fingers are all in one spot. Um, there are oven gloves out there, but... You can also get just a regular grilling glove um, from a hardware store um, and that works just as well. Those are made for um, heat resistance and also have the rubber grippies on them, which can be very helpful if you have a uh, cookware that is kind of slippery like a glass um, glass dish. So those can be very helpful. Um, there are also the silicone Grabbers that we talked about last week, um, that we, that can also work for cutting, cutting, excuse me, cutting. Um, those are like somebody mentioned, they're actually intended for grabbing with, um, so you can actually grab a dish with those if you needed to. Um, personally, I've never used those, but I think some people would find those very useful, um, to just grab and, you know, just to stick on and grab the item you need. Um, a, lo- a more high-tech item that would be very helpful is a talking cooking thermometer. Um, these are pretty much essential if you're going to be cooking meat. For example, pork is not, not going to be um, healthy to eat below the t- temperature of 165 degrees Fahrenheit. If it's not 165 degrees, you don't want to eat it. It's the, high, the possibilities of getting some kind of bacteria or disease from the meat is going to be high unless it's 165 or higher. Um, some meats are 145, some are 170, 175. Uh, but if you're cooking meat, a uh, talking cooking, th- cooking thermometer, excuse me, I can't talk today. A talking cooking thermometer is going to be essential. You can find those. Um, I believe LS&S ha- has them. I got mine from Amazon. So just search for Talking Cooking Thermometer and you can find one that way. eBay also has some out there. Um, they're pretty easy to find. Um, just make sure it says Talking and it has the button for um, Announcement. With those, you want to make sure that if you use a Talking Cooking Thermometer, the probe goes halfway into the meat not all the way in because if it's touching the pan or the pot, it's going to give you a higher temperature and it's not going to be accurate. So for example, a burger patty, you want to put it into the center of the burger patty halfway through from the top. Um, that'll give you a more accurate reading because if the center is cooked, then the entire thing's cooked. Same for chicken breast, um, for um Ground meat, it's a little harder to do, but just kind of scoop it t- together with your spatula and stick it in the middle of all that. Um, a kitchen scale, a talking kitchen scale, is also a very useful tool, um, especially if you are on a diet that requires, you know, to eat certain amounts of food, like a diabetic diet or a keto diet. Um, I believe ketos require that. Um, so, if you're counting your calories or counting your ounces, you will probably want a kitchen scale for that. And there are some really good kitchen scales out there. Um, the usual places will have them: LSNS, MaxiAids, Amazon might have a talking scale. I'm not sure. Um, they do tend to have a lot of talking products on Amazon, um, and those usually have a tear button. The tear button is so you can stick the bowl on the the bowl or whatever you're measuring with on the scale, you press the tear, it clears it out the weight, so it does not count the weight of your bowl or other dish. Um, so that is another really great high tech item that you can get to assist with cooking. Um, Another item, a low-tech item that is very useful is a double spatula, um, especially for flipping items or um, scooping up um, items that are a little harder to get with a spoon or something like um, ground meat I use a double spatula for. So with this, I will um, take the double spatula, open it up, stick the bottom part under the item such as a burger patty and then squeeze down and the top spatula will hold it in place and then you can just lift the patty or other item up and flip it over um this works great for solid items especially but you can also use it for um for example ground meat um this is really good for if you want to do a sunny side egg um you want to do sunshine toast, which is sunny side egg in the middle in the middle of a piece of toast, because um, it's really hard to flip that otherwise. Um, great for chicken breasts, great for burger patties, those you know that those kind of things. Um, a pot minder is another low tech item that is very useful. I highly suggest getting a pottery one, um, as the pottery pot minder not only will it tell you when the uh, water is boiling but the pottery part of it will actually help keep the water from boiling over. Um, I don't know the science behind that, but sighted people use these as well and it helps lower keep the, um, keep the water from boiling over. Um, so those are very helpful and then you don't have to stand there listening for bubbles. You can walk away and when it starts boiling, it'll rattle um silicone items are really useful for easy cooking um some of those items we were talked about on a recent call about um kitchen cleanup um and that would be like silicone muffin pans cooking sheets um cube trays usually ice cube trays but you can use them for like sauces and such and those are really easy to clean up afterwards so that can be really helpful so if you have a silicone cookie sheet, you can put it on top of a metal one and then you don't have to, you don't have to worry about scrubbing the metal cookie sheet because with the silicone one, it'll slide right off rather than um, sticking to the metal of the metal cookie sheet, this, the aluminum one. Um, so silicone can be v- really useful. So that's what I have for low and high tech, um, assistive technology devices. Um, If anybody has questions, comments, ideas, feel free to share them now. I'll turn it over to Kayla.
2: Right, we currently do not have any hands raised. Oh, Marsha just raised her hand. You're welcome to unmute, Marsha.
3: Yeah, Jewel, um, I was trying to measure a little under a half a cup of broth this morning, and I couldn't tell where it was. And also, mm-hmm. I, I'm uh, at night, I've been trying to use hydrogen peroxide in my water pick, and I can't tell how much I have. And mm-hmm. so I haven't figured out how to um, measure liquid stuff.
1: Okay. What are you using to measure currently?
3: I have a I have a plastic cup. You know, right. and I and I marked on it with um, red nail polish, and he, he always gets me plastic because I'm I'm always breaking things, and he didn't have to clean up all the glass. Why do
1: I know that feeling?
3: <laughs> he also um. got me, he also got me. I had we had clear glasses, and they were breaking, so mm-hmm. he found some that are blue but mm-hmm. you can still see through them. And I haven't broken one since you got those glasses.
1: Awesome. Um, so I know I mentioned this before, it's much better to get the individual measuring cups than to have one that has the different measuring levels. So for example, you want to do just under half a cup. If you had a half cup measuring cup, that was just half a cup, then you would just know right below the, the level line.
3: So
1: they Um, have individual ones for liquid? um, The same ones that you would use for solid, the little plastic ones or metal ones work just fine for liquid as well. Oh, okay. And if you have trouble pouring into that, you might um, get a metal measuring spoon, bend the handle 90 degrees to the spoon Uh and scoop it out little by little that way. Yeah. Okay. Okay. for the water pick, I would mention, if it's a small amount, you could also do with the measuring spoon. Um, I'm not sure how much you need in that.
3: Well, it's been hit or miss. Yeah. <laughs> so. Because yeah, the, I would... the cup for it is is clear. Mm-hmm. And um, I was going to try to do it with um, the cap.
1: Okay. I would suggest um, getting somebody to pour the exact amount into that cap, and then maybe pour it into a bowl and see how much, um, see how much it is with using a measuring spoon. Um, Yeah, that way you know exactly how much it is, and then you can just use a regular measuring spoon for that.
3: Okay.
2: Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yep. Do we have any other hands? Yep. We have two. Oh, three. Eugenia is next.
0: Uh, yeah, hi. Uh,
4: I would like a little bit more explanation on that um, for uh, boiling water that you put in the pot. Uh, can you please repeat that
1: or explain? Yeah, that? so the pot minder is a um, usually either glass or pottery disc. It looks kind of like a um, a lid for a jar, but it's, it's got um, like a lit, uh they got a thicker part around the edge of it. Um, the pottery ones are the ones I like the best because they'll also keep the water from boiling over um, okay. as easily. Um, and so you just take that disc and you stick it in the pot before you add your water. Okay. So if you're boiling water for pasta, for example, you're going to put the water boiling first and then you want to add the pasta when the water's boiling. Mm-hmm. So when the water starts boiling, that pottery or glass disc will start um shaking back and like rocking back and forth because the bubbles are pushing it up on one side and then it's knocking back down um not very much but it does enough to rattle um so then when when your water's boiled starting to boil it'll start rattling and the more it boils you know so if you wanted like a a rolling boil you'd want to wait till you it goes you know it's it's really rattling really okay now you you mentioned is that a brand when you say the the pottery um, no, that's just the type of material it is. So you can find them oh, okay. in clay, pottery, or um, in glass. And the, oh, okay. both of those can be found on Amazon through LSNS, I believe, um, through a oh, bunch God. of different places. Um, they're pretty easy to find. Uh, Bed, Bath, and Beyond probably has them as well. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. You're welcome.
2: Hey, Ann, you are up next.
5: Hi. Um, I want to make a comment um, to the measuring cups and measuring liquids versus, you know, like the the liquid measuring cups versus the regular, you know, um, dry measuring cups. There is an actual difference between the liquid measuring and the dry measuring cups. It's Mm. not that significant, but depending on what you're making, it will change the amount of liquid um, you know, so, um, you, at least for cooking, um, it does make a difference, especially if you're baking, because baking has to kind of be very accurate.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, so depending on your recipe, um, because I didn't believe there was a difference and I actually tried it with water and there's a enough of a difference. And I forget how much it is, but it's like maybe a tablespoon or two, maybe three, it's a low off. So. so do you
1: know if there's a vis- like a tactile difference that you can notice between the two?
5: Uh, I'd have to test it, but I think if you use a liquid measuring cup, now I, ha- I can test this and get back to you.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
5: I think if you use the liquid measuring cup and pour it into like, the individual cup that you would use like for taking out like sugar and like um flour and stuff i think it will actually spill over i think it's oh, more. is there
1: a an, are there individual measuring cups that are intended for liquid more than for um, um rather than those glass measuring cups that have the levels because those are not very accessible
5: yes um i know they may That I'm not sure. Um, I do know they make smaller measuring cups for liquid for like ounces and teaspoons and tablespoons. true.
1: I have a set. We have a set of glass measuring cups that goes down to, I think the smallest one's like two cups.
5: Yeah. um, You know, I don't know. I'll have to fill my Pyrex and see if that's tactile or not. Mm -hmm. Um, I can get back to you because that's what my um glass ones are Pyrex.
1: Okay uh, yeah, we do have those measuring those glass measuring cups with the lines, and mm-hmm. i we have a set that's like four or five of them, and the largest one's like five cups, and the largest is like two cups so yeah, um no that would a two cup one would be a lot easier to under to distinguish because if you want only one cup of liquid and this two cup, well you know it's, it needs to be halfway.
5: Right, because I know that I know Pyrex does make a one cup, but oh okay, but it doesn't go all the way to the very top. It's like a little bit down below. Excuse me, below the
1: lip. Mm -hmm. Um, Have a liquid level a liquid level indicator by chance? Do I have what a liquid level indicator? No, I don't. Okay. I was thinking if you experimented with that and like put the liquid level indicator if because the liquid level indicator prompt probes will hit it like about an inch below the um, top of the uh, cup. So maybe that would be the perfect amount. It mm-hmm. might be. Um, I'll have to look into that.
5: Yeah. Um, some of the plastic liquid measuring cups might be um you know um like you know that you pour um because they do make the plastic ones they're harder to find than the glass ones um they might be tactile a little bit but I'm not sure but they're harder to find because so much stuff is like Kyrex or something or
1: and it is harder to um in to figure out where the line is while you're pouring Mm-hmm. Yes. You have to actually feel in the cup for that. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that can be really uh, annoying for someone while they're trying to pour milk or water into a uh, cup to have to put one hand in there and hold the other item with one hand.
5: Yes, that's, uh, yeah. And I agree with you because I have something I have to pour that's red and the lines on there are made in red. So mm-hmm. it's like uh, once it gets to
1: the point, I'm like, okay, how much did I pour? Well, <laughs> for, for so. someone who is uh, low vision who can see, like if you have a red red liquid in a clear container, you could uh, mark the outside with um, a bump dot or puffy puffy paint will probably be the best thing. So that's you could hilarious. have a line that's done in black on the outside, right? Uh, right on the outside of the where the red line is and then that would help you that would help you a lot because you would be able to see the liquid um <laughs> so that, yeah, that's cause. an idea i have used puppy paint on um dishwasher safe items um and the the dots have not fallen off oh that's good enough because yeah, they're supposed to be washable because they're going close so yeah, yeah that's true Thank you for pointing that out. I didn't even know there was a difference. Yeah, I didn't know that until a couple years ago.
5: And I was baking and everything kind of came out kind of not right. Hmm. And my grandmother used to bake all the time. So I'm like, what am I doing wrong? And my my cousin told me and I thought, no, she's crazy about that. That's not right. And I looked it up. And sure enough, there is a little bit of a difference. Not a not. whole lot but enough that especially if you're baking it can mess up the
1: recipe right baking is a science cooking is an art yes thank you sure do we have any other hands not at this time okay so yeah keep in mind everybody i don't know everything so i appreciate when people point things out that i don't are i don't know myself um or alternative techniques that you use, and maybe I don't know anything about. So we'll go on to the techniques section. Um, So these are gonna be alternative techniques to um, cooking that will help you. So the first thing is going to be, again, with the meat. It can be very hard to tell when meat is done cooking, especially ground meat. a sighted person can see the color of the meat. So like ground, uh, ground turkey or ground beef is going to change colors when it's cooked. However, we usually cannot see that. Even people with low vision may not be able to distinguish the difference. Um, you know, there might still be some pink. It looks kind of grayish brown and there's some pink, but you can't quite see that pink. So using a cooking thermometer for that is going to be your best bet. However, if you don't wanna be using a cooking thermometer every time you cook meat, you might try using the cooking thermometer one time and then noting the smell of the meat when it is at the right temperature. So for example, ground beef has a very distinct smell when it is fully cooked. I can't really describe it, but if you were to test it at the right temperature and then make note of the difference in the smell, it will smell cooked. And then in the future, you can expect that smell and maybe a couple of times check with the cooking thermometer um, to back it up until you are confident with, you know, your nose knows the correct temperature. Um, pork has a very distinct smell as well when it's cooked and a very distinct smell when it's not cooked so you can tell the difference there turkey is a little trickier but does have a slight smell difference um chicken is a lot harder when it comes to smell but it does have somewhat of a smell as well when it's cooked um the other thing is to listen with your ears when it is sizzling a lot it is not still cooking when it slows down the sizzling it's probably getting close I wouldn't use this as your only method, but it can be a good way to say, oh, it's slowing down sizzling. Now I need to pay attention to the smell or now I need to check it with the thermometer to see how much more it needs. So, and paying attention to the timing on your recipe is also a good indicator. So if your recipe says five minutes, Maybe about four and a half minutes in, you start really paying attention to it. Um, your stove may not be the same as the stove used for the recipe, however, so it may take five and a half minutes, or it may take four and a quarter, four and a quarter minutes. Um, so you want to, you know, pay attention to what your stove does and adjust accordingly. So those are some ideas for um, watching for cooked meat that is probably the most important ingredient to make sure that's at the right temperature. Um, and it's probably the easiest one to tell with your ears and nose as well. So you can also ask a sighted person, if you don't have a cooking thermometer, you can ask them to tell you when it looks done and then note the smell and sound at that point. Um, and then you know in the future Oh, yes, when when it smells like this and and it sounds like this, you know, my sighted friend or family member said it is done. So that is one technique that is very important. I'm trying something new and using my Braille display to look at my notes today. So give me a moment to scroll through that note. Okay. So one thing you would definitely want to do is, I mentioned this last week, don't measure your ingredients over your pot or pan. If your food's in the pot and you measure ingredients and you get too much, it's not very easy to subtract. You can always add more, but subtracting is a lot harder to do. Um, so if you measure over a tray or a bowl or plate and then put it in the pot or pan, then it'll be a lot easier to keep track of what's in the dish because you know you're you're putting the exact amount in. Um, Another technique um, to use is um, used by sighted people as well is to never put so much food in your pot or pan or skillet that is more than one and a half to two inches below the lip. So if you have something that is Feeling your pot, when it starts to cook, it's going to boil, it's going to cook over. So if you check to make sure your food is not right at the lip, if you give it a cu- an inch or two, then you're not going to have to worry about that. If you've got too much food for that pot, go ahead and just put it in another pot, a bigger one. Um, it's a lot easier to wash an extra pot than to wash the stove. Um, and you don't want to get food on there when you're cooking because. they will be up. On there. Oh, does somebody have a question? I got
2: muted. Go ahead.
1: Thank you. Um, okay. So when you are cooking, place your cooking utensil next to the pot on the side, like on the counter rather than on the pot. Then you can use the utensil to find the lip of your pot as you're cooking. Don't try to find the handle with a bare hand. The likelihood of burning yourself is high. If you're going to find the edge of your pot with your hand, use a glove or mitt. Um, Just make sure there's something over your skin even if you think you know exactly where that handle is. You may not remember like down to the inch and you, you'll touch the rim and burn yourself. So let's try not to burn ourselves. Um, so then, you know, when you have the utensil on the side, you can just pick it up, reach out to where you think the lip is. And when you feel it touch the lip or you hear it touch the lip, then you know exactly where it is and you can kind of feel around the edge of the pot um, with the cooking utensil and then stir and you know exactly where the pot is. Um, Another thing that I should have mentioned earlier is when you are putting a pot on the stove, you want to know exactly where the burner is. If you have a gas stove, it's pretty easy because those are raised burners. So what I do is I touch the burner before I turn it on. And I line the pot up with the burner before I do any, you know, before I light the burner, then I know it's exactly over where I want it. If you have already turned on the burner, it'll be a lot harder to make sure it's lined up. Um, so, and then if you have an electric stove, it can be quite difficult. One technique though, is to have somebody place burner covers over the burners when they're not in use, which is also useful for keeping them clean. But if you have a burner cover on on your stove, lifting the burner, you can put a utensil right on the edge of that cover before lifting the cover, And then you know that is exactly where the edge of the burner is because the cover is over it. Um, There are stoves that have flat surfaces. There's no way to distinguish where the burner is until it's on. For those, you can either hold your hand about two inches to three inches above the surface and see where you feel the heat. Or, once it's on, you can also dribble a couple of drops of water on the surface and see where it sizzles. The water won't hurt the burner, and it won't sizzle unless it's on the hot part. Um, So, knowing where your burner is is very important, and um, it can be difficult if it's an electric one, especially... um, but those are some techniques that you can use for that. Um, let If you need to pour food into another dish or another pot, you can use a ladle for the liquids, which is um, what you might find in a punch bowl. It's um, the spoon is at a 90 degree angle to the handle Um, So you can dip it into the liquid and then uh, lift it up. You don't have to worry about it spilling everywhere. If it's a solid, use a deep um, slotted spoon or um, holy spoon. You know, so a spoon that has holes all over it. Um, The deep one will allow you to get more out, but it will also allow you to tip it just a little bit, let some out. And then you don't have to worry about spilling over the side because, you know, it's it's in there um the double spatula is also good for transferring food if it's a solid so i think i'll stop there and see if there's any questions
2: yes herbie has his hand raised you may unmute
4: good morning good afternoon to everyone and jewel a great call so far A couple of comments I would like to make. First of all, totally agree with you on the double spatula. That is the best way to go um, when it comes to your spatula needs. Um, Several things, though. With ground beef, you actually can tell with a spoon. I mean, maybe if you have, like, neuropathy or something like that, that could be a problem. But you can actually tell with a spoon um, when it's done you um there's two ways to, the, the, and what you do is you know like I generally put the meat in the pan I set it onto a medium generally mm-hmm. and then I just you let it heat up and constantly stir it and it's moving around and I can you know touch the sides of the pan with the spoon to make sure that uh, nothing is left in the side of the pan so it kind of all gets cooked and then It'll kind of change to a more sparking sound, if that makes sense. Like Sizzling, right? Done, sizzling. Well, it'll yep. go from sizzling to sizzling and popping. Right, okay. When the meat is actually done. It, 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 so it'll make more of like a popping sound. I've also heard of, um, you can if you have an instant pot, you can also ground your meat that way. Uh, 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 no, uh, pre-cook your meat that way with an instant pot. So mm. that is something else um, to consider. But the meat, like I said, when it's done, it's going to feel, you know, like I'm using my spoon to break it up into little chunks anyway. But you can kind of tell it's done. I mean, you want it to be as done as possible if it's slightly underdone, but you're using it for something like tacos or whatever. It's going to cook a little bit more anyway. But um, you definitely don't want it raw, though, either. So, But I can, I've can i been able to tell with just a spoon. I'm not afraid to put my finger hand, like, over the – too to feel around if I need to the other thing I wanted to mention I was confused about what you mean by your it's harder with an electric stove because like I have the old-fashioned electric stove that has the raised burners mm-hmm. and it's exactly the same as you like you have your small right. burners those and are, your big. yeah runners. those are easy um the
1: yeah. newer electric stoves, many of them are flat surfaces with yes. a visible those, difference. Uh, and, that's what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah,
4: yeah. Okay, you kind of made it sound like all electric stoves.
1: And then- oh, I'm sorry. The older ones are raised burners, but they're thats becoming yes. less and less these days.
4: Yes. Um. I will mention though that there are such things as like electric skillets or you know plug-in burners you can get to like the new wave as alternatives. And I've also heard of electric stove that have indentations for the burners, which Hmm. that would make too much sense, I know, but uh, I have heard of them as well. So I just wanted to throw out otherwise though, um, there you go.
2: Thank you. All right, Jane, you may unmute.
1: Hi, Uh, so
6: for me, um, I don't use a stove. Um, I use uh my instant pot to brown mostly um everything and I have an electric skillet. Um Axiades sells uh that for uh forty five. But yeah, that that's two other ways. Um and then an air fryer or oven or something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Have you ever done um, like a chicken breast or a burger patty in a grill press, like a George Foreman or something? Yeah. when I have, I, that. Mm-hmm, I have
6: the grill too. So yeah. That, that's
1: mm-hmm. Those that's, are great too. We're going to get an Instapot soon. So I'm really excited about that, but I'm going to be experimenting with that. I don't know much about it yet. So it's good to know that those things can be done that way.
2: Thank you. All right. Up next is 248.
0: 254, you may unmute. Hi, this is Laura. Hi,
4: Laura. A couple
0: of comments for you. Um, I do have a flat top, uh, totally flat top uh, electric stove, a glass one. And I used to have one with the burners, and I love my glass one now. Um, But if you. And I've I've fooled around a lot with um, where the burners are, Um, what you might do uh, for starters. And this is just, um, you know, to begin with, without the stove being on, take your pan and put it like uh, one towards the back of the stove towards the far right is usually where that burner is with the handle sticking out to the left. And then you can do the one to the left the opposite way with the handle sticking out to the right. And then it's a matter of just, um, you know, once you turn your heat on for the burner, you might move that back or towards you a little bit. Mm -hmm. And you should have it on the burner Mm -hmm. at that point. That's a really simple um, way that that might help. Um, the one thing about the ground beef, I have found that when you first put it in the pan and it's not cooked and you feel it with your big, like I use a uh, like a Teflon spoon to normally do this. But if you feel it with your spoon, you're going to feel like mushiness mm-hmm. when it's cooked and as you stir it more. And let it cook for a while. You're gonna feel a crumb; uh, it crumbles up into little pieces as you cook it. And when it when it's cooked, it should feel you should feel these little pieces are fairly um, crumbly pieces. I would break the corned beef up into um, smaller chunks before you start cooking it. That will also help there. Okay. Yeah. Um...
1: It's good to know that some people can tell the difference um, when it's cooking, um, going from mushy to a, like a crumbly or firmer bit. It's good to know. So that's something for everybody to experiment with and see if you can really tell the difference um, and maybe back that up with the cooking thermometer or a sighted person telling you,
0: yes, it is definitely cooked at that I, point. You
1: can go. Uh, I
0: okay, also so time real. it as I'm cooking it. So, right. um, you know, I, I know about how long it should take to get to where it needs to go. Right. And so, then, yeah, you know, after that,
1: rescue, for example, it might say it needs to cook for yeah. three minutes and then, you know, about two and a half minutes in is when you start going, okay, I need to pay really close attention now.
0: Oh, no, it's usually a lot more long, it's usually a lot longer than that. that was, yeah. That was a Random, random um, but, number. Yeah.
1: So. Okay, cool. Thank you.
2: Any other You're hands?
4: Welcome. Yes, Herbie? No, I was just curious, and if if you'd rather me ask her off the call, that's fine, I can do that too, but I was curious to something about what, what Jane Sue was mentioning about how she doesn't use her stove. Okay, so you can ground meat, ground meat obviously in the Instant Pot or whatever. What if you wanted to do something like Tacos or hamburger helper. I don't know if you can do those in the instant pot. After, you know, you can do the browning part, but the rest of it.
1: I have a feeling that you could do a lot of that in the instant pot, actually. Or if not in the instant pot, in another device like a um, a slow cooker, or you know, di- depending on what it is, different different things can be done, um, or in the oven. Um, like, you know, for example, chicken breast, you could do chicken breast in the Instant Pot. You could do it in this oven. You could do it in a slow cooker, all sorts of ways. Right, but
4: what, like, say about, about like, say about, um, like, a hamburger helper where, you know, it's this stuff is pre made. You have to follow specific instructions. I mean, do you think you could adapt a hamburger helper to an Instant Pot or a crock pot or an oven?
1: I think the hamburger helper could be adapted to the oven. Um, pretty easily because it would get to be t- turned into a casserole, basically. Um, okay. But I don't have enough experience with hamburger helper to say for sure. Um, mm-hmm. My mother cooked so much hamburger helper when I was a kid that my dad banned it. So, uh, and I just don't use it now. So my dad said, "Nope, no more hamburger helper, cook." <laughs> <laughs> hamburger helper is
4: cooking. It's just some of it's done for you. That's all. He just got all tired
1: right. of that every night. Yeah. So.
4: Yeah. That makes
1: sense. Yeah. All right. Okay. Any other hands?
2: No, not at this time.
1: Okay. So I think I'll go on to the last topic and then we'll open up for questions about anything um, related to the kitchen. And if there's like questions about past topics as well. Um, The final topic is going to be cleanup. The first thing that I'll mention is, You do not want to clean your stove or oven when it is hot. You're not, it's not going to work. So for, for the oven, it's pretty obvious. You just leave it for, you know, a few hours and it'll cool off. Um, you know, and you may just want to wait and clean it the next day. The stove, you may want to clean off pretty fast because you're going to use it sooner. And, um, you know, you don't want that food to get stuck on there and then bugs get it or it gets caked on there. Um, so for the stove, you will put your, you would want to put your hand over the burner about three inches. So you have, you have plenty of room, you know, um, whatever you feel comfortable with and feel if there's heat, if there's heat, it's not cold. Uh, obviously it's, if it's on, it's not going to be cold, cold, but you know, this will be after you turned it off. Give it a little time and then test it with your hand above, hovering above it. If you don't feel any heat with your hand hovering over it, then take a heat resistant glove or mint, um, such as your a glove or grilling glove, and touch the burner with that. Then take your bare finger and touch the glove. That way, if there is still heat, you're not touching it directly with your skin. Um, it's if once it's on the glove, it will not burn you because it'll already cool off a little bit. Um, if there is no heat on the glove at all, give it a couple more minutes just to make sure it's not that last little bit of heat and then go ahead and you can clean it. Um, that's just to make sure that it's completely cool. Um when you want to clean it, because you can be burned through a cleaning cloth um, and you don't want to cook cleaner onto your stove. For one thing, the smell is disgusting. Don't ask me how I know that. <laughs> um so that's how you would clean this you would <laughs> if you wanted to clean it right away, um. Obviously, if you're going to wait until after you've done dishes, it'll probably be completely um, cool by the time you get done with dishes. Uh, But you may want to touch it with a heat resistant glove or mitt anyway, just to double check Um, safety first. So one technique I use for cleanup is to put all my dishes in or near the sink that they're going to be washed in while I'm cooking. So if I'm completely done with that one cup measuring cup, it's going in the sink. If I'm completely done with that pot, it's going in the sink. If there's no room in the sink, it goes next to it. So I have a a counter next to the sink that I don't use for cooking. And I just pile up the dishes there if if there's not room in the sink. I leave the right hand sink open. The left hand sink in our house is the cleaning sink. The right hand sink is for clean dishes only. So it is okay if I need to um, use that for getting some water or if I need to uh, stick a clean dish in there um, for some reason, that way um, I know that that's the clean sink. So if you have a double sink, that works really great. Um, If you have a single sink, you may want to just pile up your dishes next to the sink um, so you don't get that single sink dirty in case you need to use it as a clean sink um if you use silicone you'll find that the silicone is very easy to clean off um for other items you may have to scrub you may you know you may not like to use elbow grease so if you soak it it'll be easier However, some items, that's not the, the best thing to do, especially if they're like wood handles or um, certain types of metal don't like to sit in um, water for long periods. So for those, you'll want to just scrub it as much as you can with a brush or a um, scratch pad if, you're, if your metal's not going to be um, scratched by that. Um, like for example, cast iron, skillet you can use a scratch pad on no problem for the cast iron however what I like to do is I get as much food off of it and then I fill it about halfway or as much as I need to cover the um, 30 part of it with my skills I usually don't put more than about halfway up on the skillet for cooking which goes back to that technique of not filling it all the way um, but then I take the half-filled skillet and I put it on the burner. I let that heat up for a few moments, um, just until the handle of the skillet is slightly warm. Um, you don't want to put it for very long, and you definitely don't want to boil that. But...
2: You have 10 minutes. Uh, just, you
1: know. Okay, thank you. Um, but that way, the heated water will loosen the food items even further, and it'll be a lot easier. Um, cast iron skillets, if you use a cast iron skillet, you know, it needs to be treated occasionally. However, if you wash it without soap, um, it is more likely to keep its treatment longer. Obviously, if you have food caked on, you're going to want soap to scrub it. Um, but if you just used it for broth or for sauce you know, washing it with something else. Um, There are soaps intended specifically for cast iron um, for cleaning. Uh, Mostly they're powder soaps, I believe. Um, And there's other things that you can use for cast iron to clean. Um, So, you know, if you don't use soap, then you don't have to treat it as often, which can be a pain to do. Um, And then once it's washed, then stick it back on the stove and wait till that handle is slightly warm and that will um, seal the treatment back. So do we have any hands about cleanup? And then I'll open it up to anything. We don't currently have any hands. Okay. Do we have any questions about anything related to cooking or um, any past topics? Still no hands. Okay. So I think that will conclude today okay. then. Oh.
2: You just got one. Okay. So, um, Laura. And Jill.
0: I have a question about a cooking thermometer. Um, mm-hmm. And it might be just mine. But I'm finding that it's very... I have a talking one. And I'm finding it's very inconsistent. And sometimes it talks and sometimes it doesn't. And I get really frustrated because, okay... I want my temperature now, and then decides not to talk. Is this just a defect in my thermometer? Should I just go buy a new one? What kind do you have? Do you know? Uh, I'm not sure. I bought it from uh, an outside company a while back. Um, So I didn't buy it from one of the blindness agencies. Okay.
1: Um, You might reach out to them and ask them if there is a reset button on it. It may just need to be reset um, on my thermometer. There are three buttons, the middle ones for talking. And sometimes it can, like it has a little trouble. And so I hit the, one of the other buttons does reset that a little bit. And then um, usually that fixes the issue. So just, you know, hitting a reset button uh, will clear out the temperature and that can sometimes fix that, uh, but. Not you know without knowing your exact model, I would suggest calling the um, store that you got it from and ask them if there is a reset button.
0: Um, Okay, I think it only has two buttons on it, as I recall.
1: Yeah, so there might be there. Sometimes those reset buttons are um, ones that you would hit with a pen, for example. I'm not sure if cooking Mm. thermometers have those, but it's something to consider. Also, if you have food on the probe, uh, it can confuse the thermometer, so your t- temperature might be different, but that shouldn't affect the talking part. Um, so it may be a malfunction in your thermometer also, but if you talk to the store that you bought it from, they should be able to help you troubleshoot that and decide if it's a defun- defective thermometer. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
6: Right, Jill, you were up next. Hi, Jill. Hi, Jill. <clears throat> um, I just had a recommendation um, a, of a pot. It's a Calphalon pot, and it's kind of like, it's like a maybe 10 inches diameter and maybe 6 or 8 inches high. and And then it has like a glass lid, but I mm-hmm. just not being able to see very much at all, I highly really recommend it because I use it for everything whether it's um, if I brown ground beef or boil pasta or make a sauce or like saute vegetables because nothing, fa- it ne- never overflows or falls mm-hmm. out and it's just kind of- yeah, like when I cook at the stove, it's really the one pot I could do everything and mm-hmm. anything with. And then um, I put the, they sell these little silicone handles that go, that they have the mm-hmm. handle on each side. Mm-hmm. So it gives me, like, if I have to drain pasta, it's easy to hold because I'm holding it with two hands.
4: Mm-hmm. And then
6: I have the little silicone, um, piece that fits on each side so it's not because it does get hot they're they're metal so they have to be covered right and um and then what I like it it's not too heavy like if I have boiling water I don't feel like it's such a heavy pot where I um you know have to worry about that to lift
1: I will mention um, Teflon, especially, but most nonstick, mm-hmm. um, is Teflon. Teflon has been right. studied and is related to, it has been shown to be slightly, um, carcinogenic. So it can cause cancer mm-hmm. and it can cause other conditions as well. Um, a lot of people were getting sick off of Teflon pots. Um, so I oh, highly recommend not using Teflon because it can cause, um, mm-hmm. health issues um what however, would be
6: like um yeah like a better option
1: yeah so i was gonna suggest be the same um, steel is great for pots um but it can get heavy mm-hmm. um copper pots can be good um but they're also expensive copper pots are very right. traditional pots so you know their time time has tested them and they're really mm-hmm. good but they they are quite expensive um, I really yeah, but if to,
6: you're only like, using one pot, like if I'm only
1: using that one right. pot, then it's I don't right. Mind then you don't have to worry about the cost because it's just one it's pot. It's, um, the, but you'll yeah, be getting if you, if you, high quality. The other thing with copper though is it can't be used for everything because the copper taste can get into some things, like into sauces. Um, so you may not want to oh, okay. use more, like spaghetti sauce. Um, but spaghetti sauce would work really well in like a um a steel pot because then you wouldn't have a big pot, you won't have to worry about the weight. Um mm-hmm. but I personally love cast iron. Um cast iron is heavy, um, but if you have something to grip it with, um, you know, so that you you are holding it on both sides, it's not a huge mm-hmm. issue. Um And cast iron is easy to clean if you know how to do it. You know, treating it can be a pain, but treatment can last for many years, Um, Mm -hmm. especially if you seal it by heating it up after you've washed it, get it, get the water off of it. Um, So I love cast iron. We have four or five cast iron skillets that I use all the time, including one that I could do an entire spaghetti dish in. Uh, because it's mm-hmm. just that big, I, I boil the pasta in a separate um, steel, um, in a steel pot, and then I put everything together in the skillet um, to make a spaghetti dish, and um, that could be a dish for four people in that skillet. So they they come right. in.
6: I have a, I have one cast iron, but I never got the mm-hmm. got the hang of it. So.
1: Yeah, you know, it is a, a little a different from most pots, but one one of the benefits of a cast iron is that it heats evenly, so you don't have to stir mm-hmm. it all over the place as much. Um, so if your food is evenly distributed over the skillet, you know that all of that food's going to get heated heated at the same time. Um, so that's a big benefit.
2: We have less than two minutes, and you have one more hand. Yeah, uh, hey, let's take Marcia. the last hand.
3: Yep, Marsha, you. you. May unmute. Yeah, Jill, I'm of the age that I came up through when you use cast iron to not wash it, but to wipe it out and then put salt in it. Oh,
1: salt works. Yeah.
3: And that was the way to treat it. Did you treat yours in a different way?
1: Um, I usually like I wipe mine out with a paper towel. And then if I need to, I can scrub it with a steel steel pad and then um, rinse it. And then, so if I get water on it, then I put it on the stove to burn off the water. Um, that's usually how I treat it. But some people think that you know that's not going to be enough to make it sanitary. So there are soaps out there for people like that. We don't typically use so- soap on our skillets at all.
3: Yeah, that's um, what I heard. Don't use don't use soap on yeah the iron. That's that's yeah what and, they always yeah. put a, some some salt in there and then rub that around and that does the scrub. Yeah.
1: And that, that'll keep the treatment longer too. Um, But, and I will note that if you get water on your skillet and then you put it on the stove and, um, you know, heat it up a little bit, the heat will burn off any last little bit of, you know, like the last little bit of sauce that's on there or something. Um, So it'll be sanitary. Yeah.
2: And We're at the end of our time.
1: All right. Thank you so much guys. And have a great day. I'll see you guys next week and we'll continue on to the next room. Um, I'll put that out soon.